This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Oh boy. Okay, we're going to talk about a lot of things today. Welcome to it. Welcome to another week of the program. Welcome to another week of NHL action. Plenty on the horizon this Thanksgiving week. And if you know anything about the history of hockey, Thanksgiving week is generally considered decision week for a lot of NHL teams. Are we in? Are we out? Are we making a push for the playoffs or are we looking to Macklin Celebrini slash Macklin Celebration come June? So that happens Thursday, U.S. Thanksgiving. Uh, That factors in, by the way, to the schedule this week, and specifically the schedule tomorrow. More on that coming up here in a couple of moments. Uh, Elliot Friedman's going to stop by here in a couple of moments here from Elliot uh, from 32 Thoughts and from Hockey Night in Canada. Also, uh, Todd Fedorik, radio analyst for the Philadelphia Flyers, who suddenly find themselves in a playoff spot. Here we are getting close to Thanksgiving, and the Philadelphia Flyers, yes, have now won five games in a row. After taking care of the Columbus Blue Jackets, more on them in a moment. Taking care of the Columbus Blue Jackets yesterday, they've now won five games in a row, and they are in a playoff position. Hands up who saw that coming. That's right, none of us. He said tongue-in-cheek, the rebuild is over. But I think I said that a month ago with Philadelphia as well. Anyhow, Todd Fedorik stops by, bottom of the hour. Uh, David Amber will stop by as well, the host of uh, Rogers Monday Night Hockey. Uh, We'll talk plenty about the Edmonton Oilers, tough one, losing 6-4 to the Tampa Bay Lightning on Saturday. Uh, Oilers back in action against the Florida Panthers, the Alexander Barkless, (laughs) Barkovless Florida Panthers. We'll get into that conversation with David Amber, amongst other things, and we'll have a little preview of the week and the weekend that was with Matt Marchese coming up in hour two. Meanwhile, the headline story comes to us out of Columbus. Um, everybody's having a whack at this pinata, and I don't want to say it's a head-scratcher because it's not. If you've watched the Columbus Blue Jackets play this season, you know that a couple of their problems revolve around two-star players, namely Johnny Gaudreau and the player we're going to talk about next, and that is Patrick Laine. Um, want to play some audio from Pascal Vincent from yesterday. Now, Patrick Laine, if you haven't heard, uh, yesterday was healthy scratched for the game against the Philadelphia Flyers. Normally, that is what we consider to be the nuclear option, the last resort to try to get a player going, or the let's kick it upstairs moment. I've done as much as I can here with this player. Over to you now, general manager. This was Pascal Vincent, head coach of the Columbus Blue Jackets, on the... Healthy scratching. We're going to start here with Elliot in a couple of moments. The healthy scratching of Patrick Line against the Philadelphia Flyers. I know Patrick. Probably, I'm the one who knows Patrick the most. Um, he came back. His injury, I mean, it was three weeks out. Came back, excited to play. Um, he was cleared, and, and rightfully so. But I know what he can do on the ice. I care about him quite a bit. I know Patrick, the person, and I know 29, the player, if it makes sense. And I know what he can do on the ice. I know his potential. And right now, and he's not happy about the decision, don't get me wrong. Um, But right now, I think Patty needs needs to take a deep breath, um, go back to uh, the working lab, and um, get his touches back, get his shot back, get his confidence back, um, so he can be the Patrick, the number 29 Patrick Line we all know he can be. So it was, 
was a hard conversation. Um, but nobody, nobody, not myself, nobody's bigger than the Blue Jackets. Not a group of players. And Patrick, we need the best Patrick line as possible. And for us, it's to get back on the ice, touching the puck, practicing, moving his feet, feeling confident so we can be that guy. Okay, so that's Pascal Vincent, the uh, the head coach of the Columbus Blue Jackets. Uh, this one's huge, not to not to try to blow it up any bigger than it already is, but I mean, everyone's having their, you know, their their thought on what's happening with the Columbus Blue Jackets, what's happening with Patrick Laine specifically, what is the future of Patrick Laine specifically with the Columbus Blue Jackets? Having a conversation with someone this morning uh, about Laine, a, a text exchange, and this person who's you know in a position to know. Um, we're talking about the evolution of Patrick Laine as the game changes. And this person texted me, unfortunately, he never evolved with the game. If he can't get that shot off, there's not much to his game. Listen, we know that the shot is the calling card for Patrick Laine. Was it working on the wing with Columbus? No. Was the move to center, the Hail Mary pass, not unlike what the Buffalo Sabres did with Tage Thompson? Which, make no mistake about it, was a Hail Mary pass. For Buffalo, it worked. Big time, it worked with Tage Thompson, and that was part of the thinking behind moving Patrick Laine from the wing to the center position. Has that worked? Well, he's been benched, and now he's been healthy scratched. So where's the place for Patrick Laine? Is he in need of a reset with the Columbus Blue Jackets? Is he in need of a change of scenery away from the Columbus Blue Jackets? And what happens this season now as Thanksgiving approaches with the Columbus Blue Jackets? It was not supposed to be this type of season for CBJ. Now, I know that the Columbus Blue Jackets went through their entire situation with Mike Babcock. That has been well documented. And Pascal Vincent comes in at the last moment to try to salvage a season behind the bench. But you don't go out and make moves to shore up your blue line uh, like they did. Um, without thinking that things are going to be different this year. Now, last year, a lot of what happened to Columbus was due to injuries. This year, not so much. This year is just down to performance. Are they getting enough out of Johnny Gaudreau? No. Are they getting enough out of Patrick Lyonet? No, clearly. So is this a player-slash-coach issue? Or is this a player-slash-general manager issue? I don't necessarily think that this is a player-coach issue. I think this one is over to Yarmo in here to make a decision on what they have with Patrick Laine and what they need to do with Patrick Laine and maybe moreover what needs to happen now with the Columbus Blue Jackets. Okay, um, a couple of other things here as we uh, stand by for Elliot. Uh, tonight around the NHL, there are seven games, all right? Oilers and the Panthers on Rogers Monday Night Hockey. Um, we're going to talk to David Amber, as I mentioned, about that coming up in hour two. Rangers and Stars should be a real good one as well. Boston and Tampa. Like, there's some really good games on the board uh, tonight. The Calgary Flames in Seattle, a face-off against the Kraken. The uh, Vancouver Canucks hosting the San Jose Sharks. Those are your other Canadian teams in action. Tomorrow, uh, and I'll mention this on tomorrow's show as well, so we'll have a common frame of reference on how these things work. Tomorrow, there are no games in the NHL. Tomorrow, there are zero games, and doing a little digging, here's the best that I can put together as to why there are um, why there are no games around the NHL tomorrow. So a lot of it comes down to arena availability, 
And availability tomorrow is limited to only Calgary, Vancouver, and Arizona. They were the only teams that were available to host games. Now, normally in Thanksgiving week, the NHL sends Canadian teams stateside. Um, Thanksgiving Eve, Black Friday, they're requested by pretty much all the the U.S. teams, uh, which only left the NHL with Arizona and they didn't want to play back-to-back games at home Tuesday and Wednesday. Uh, Also, 12 clubs are playing Wednesday, Friday, and Saturday. Uh, Don't want to be scheduled on Tuesday because that would create four games in five nights. And on top of all of that, four games are on their way back from Sweden. So games could not be scheduled. That's why when you look at what you're going to do tomorrow... It doesn't involve NHL action. Okay, Elliot Friedman from 32 Thoughts and Hockey Night in Canada joins me now. Hello, Fridge. Hey, Jeff. While you were doing, uh, while you were doing all that research, I locked myself out of my house this morning. <laughs> so you, you had a more productive morning than I did. did. You... <laughs> I was trying to find out whether NHL is dark tomorrow. And, and meanwhile, you're trying to crawl into your own window burglar okay. style. How'd you get in? Or is that state uh, secrets? <laughs> no, no, no. I, 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 you know, it was fine. It was one time uh, it, we we had it, and we learned we had really strong windows. So you know, that was. Uh, I just had to wait until the boss came home. So until she was done what she was doing, <laughs> I had a nice walk. Yeah. Did you get the look? <laughs> Did you get the eye roll? Yeah, I, I don't usually do that. I have to say, I'm usually much more on top of things than that. But jeez, uh, yeah. I missed up. Uh, I missed up this morning. Is it because you were wandering around trying to figure out what Columbus does with Patrick Line? No, it, it wasn't even that. It was just I completely forgot to put my, I, I completely forgot to put my keys in my pocket. Like it's that simple. All right. Well, okay. So, what does the blue? What do the Blue Jackets then do with with Patrick Line? I was just talking about him, but while you were wandering around your neighborhood trying to get back into your home, yes. um, what what happens next? Like I, I laid it out, and we heard from Pascal Vincent off the top of the show, and he sort of explained um, why he scratched him, but uh, healthy scratched him. What happens now, Elliot? Beginning of a new week here. Look, I, I think ultimately they're going to put them back into the lineup and, and just try to make it work. Uh, you know, there's not really much else you can do unless you're going to trade them or you're going to bench them some more. Um, you know, all you can really do is say, uh, hey, um, you know, we said we'd have you sit out and we're going to put you back in and hopefully things are going to figure themselves back out and, you know, he'll get the reset that he needs. But, um, you know, like, just clearly like thinking more about it. I I think there's probably some big picture questions going on for Columbus right now. Um, You know, Jeff, as we talked about on Friday and then on the pod this morning, and I mentioned it again now, um, you know, whatever Columbus is trying here in terms of we're doing the benchings, we're, you know, we're trying to um, show people that things are going to be different um, it's it's not the message isn't getting through um, because it keeps happening, right? So you know, mm-hmm. obviously, obviously, whatever you're trying to accomplish, it's just not going as well as you would hope. And you know, now too, I mean, you don't you don't give up on your season, but the math is not Columbus's friend, so. You know, I, I think we're all kind of wondering here, where is the next 
Like, where is this going? Are, is Columbus going to try to change their mix? Um, you know, I, I definitely think there's, you know, long-term consequences here in the sense that the organization's going to have some big decisions to make. Are we talking off ice? Are we talking on ice? Um, are you they going to continue just taking people in and out of the lineup? I, I think you have to have some big conversations about what you're doing. I think when it comes to line A2, and, you know, we've got to be honest about this, he hasn't been very good. Like, it, like that's the one thing that I, I think has to be pointed out here. If you've watched him lately, he hasn't been very good. But, Jeff, is he a center? Is he a winger? You know, we talked on the pod this morning about how my thing was you have to put him back on the wing. If it's not working at center, put him back on the wing. Someone called me this morning and said he did go back to the wing. I said, I know it was just for a game or two. Like, you got to – and plus he was also hurt. Like, you've got to commit to the wing for line A now. Just decide – where is he best off playing and put him back in that position? You know, the other thing too, I didn't even realize this, but someone pointed out to me today, Columbus, I think had five power plays last night against Philly. And I don't think they had a shot on goal. Like get lining on your power play in a spot that'll make him feel good. And I think that's the thing you have to do is, um, you know, line has got to be better. Arguing that, but he has to be put into a position where he can succeed. Uh, a couple of other things here um, from the weekend as well. I want to sort of move this conversation more to, to what's coming up this week. But a, a, a final thought on, on on what we saw in Stockholm. Like this one, this one was a real home run for the NHL. We've seen the Global Series yeah. before, but this one... Everything really came together, whether it was, you know, uh, a lot of, you know, Swedish hockey players showing up for the events, being around, uh, the people loving it, uh, some great games, four games in a row, a different game every night. Like, this one had a different feel to it. This one, like, we talk a lot about tentpole events that the NHL puts on, and sometimes it takes a while until you get the formula. When... When all was said and done in Stockholm, I walked away from it saying it feels like the NHL now has the formula. So it's this formula when you go to Finland. It's this formula when you go to Germany, when you go to Switzerland, wherever. Would you agree with that, that this is the formula? What we just saw in Stockholm, this is the formula for how you do this. Mm-hmm. I, I, You know, I, I really like that too in the sense that I think four teams works better than two. Um, and, and this was this was a real dip in the water, dip your toe in the water by uh, the NHL because I'm not sure they were convinced that four teams was going to work. I think they were worried it was too much, and um, you know, would like would, you're confident you can sell out two games. I think you were worried four games in the same city were you going to sell out four games. And I think what it showed you is that, A, you can, and, B, it also gives more of an opportunity for the players to do stuff around or between their games. Like, you have more chances to get involved in some events there. You have more chances to, you know, see the fans. Um, you You know, I don't know what this... TV show was that Nylander was on in Sweden, but I know that those <laughs> clips are all over my timeline. 
Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I really am trying to figure out exactly what's going on, but it, it looks like it was a big hit. And, um, oh yeah. You, you know, I, I just think that, like, and, and that's important. It, it just can't be, hey, team shows up, practice, game, game, maybe another practice. You have to kind of get yourself out there, right? And it's hard during the season. It's mm-hmm. a business trip. But it certainly looks like it allowed these teams to get out there a little bit. It looked like they were having fun. Now, there are two um, Swedish players that ply their trade for the Toronto Maple Leafs uh, mm-hmm. that we have eyes on this week. Um, two questions. One, the future of John Klingberg. And two, mm-hmm. the future of the contract negotiation with William Nylander. And I can't help but wonder when you consider how, and we talked about this on the pod too, how much now it's obvious how much William Nylander means for the Maple Leafs brand in Sweden specifically. All that was started, I'll always yep. mention it, started with Borja Salming in the early 70s. He was the one that laid the foundation of this Toronto-Sweden relationship, hit a new height with Matt Sundin as well. Given that that's understood now, I think, by everybody, is there an urgency now for maybe the Maple Leafs to try to get something done and not let this thing go deeper into the season? Well, I think with Klingberg, I, I, I definitely, like, all you have to do is listen to what Sheldon Keefe had to say on the weekend, that this is going to come to a head. And it, it's a real shame. I I have no doubt that this would have been a, a huge deal for Klingberg to play there this week. And, you know, and unfortunately, it just it couldn't happen. Um I, I suspect it's his hips. Uh, it's been a problem for a while. Um, you know, I mean, uh, I, I think it's, it, it, I don't know that it's like, like just when he missed the one game on the Friday night against Calgary, there were a lot of people who thought that that was going to be, or I shouldn't say a lot, but there were people who are generally pretty connected who thought that it was going to be it yeah. for him and, and he wasn't going to be able to play. Well, he played the next day against Vancouver, and he couldn't go in Sweden. So I definitely think that when Klingberg, when the Leafs came back, and I think they left right after the game yesterday, so they're home, um, I think there was going to be a conversation about where are we going here. And so I would expect some clarity, whether it's a temporary absence or a longer one, uh, I think we're going to get some clarity on that soon. Um, you know, as for mm-hmm. Nylander, talks were like they, they, they it's weren't like they, it wasn't like the talks were bad. It's just that they weren't anywhere close to an agreement. I do think there was a face to face meeting earlier in the season. It didn't really move the needle. Um, you know, I would suspect that at some point in the next little while they're going to try again. Look, like the numbers gone up. You know, I think. I think Toronto was hoping to get Nylander in the eights or nines. Like, I just don't think that that's realistic anymore. And, you know, you're, you're going to have, I mean, the guy, and I will say this to you again and again and again, the one thing that Nylander has shown that's really valuable here is not only the start he's having, but how many players have we seen have to play for a contract in a Canadian market and just crumble under the pressure of it. Like, this guy is invincible to pressure. He just does not feel it. And I think that's very important. And (laughs) the number's getting higher. But, look, they're going to have to sign him. I think it's just, you know, like, how how does everybody figure out a situation where it's a number 
that makes Nylander happy and it allows Toronto the flexibility to do some things. And I think that's what's going to be the challenge here is getting to that sweet spot. Let me ask you, I've never asked you this before. This is, this is what I've wondered for a while, and I may be way off. I'm just going to throw it okay. out there as, as part of the conversation. Do you think there's any chance that William Nylander does a one-year deal until John Tavares' $11 million comes off the books and then rings the bell? Or do you think it's, we want something long-term now? You know, Jeff, I, I think... I, I don't think, like, like, one of the things, like, like Matthews has proven that the idea of a short-term deal is not a bad thing. Like, he's done, you know, after his ELC, he's done a five and a four now. I just don't see a one. Like, like a one there is just too much risk. I understand why you're asking it, and it's not as dumb as many of the other questions you have asked me over the years. <laughs> but... Like, like, I, like, I get why you'd propose that. I just think there's too much risk to the player. Okay. Um, having looked forward this week, uh, and this week includes tonight with the Edmonton Oilers starting Calvin Pickard yeah. against the Florida Panthers, who will answer with Sergei Bobrovsky. Um, we don't believe that Alexander Barkov will be playing tonight for the Florida Panthers. No. Nonetheless, you know this is this is a this is an Oilers team that we just saw lose to the Tampa Bay Lightning six to four, in dramatic fashion, and a big comeback by the Tampa Bay Lightning as the Edmonton Oilers watched two points go away. And you know Mark yep. Spector's piece this morning at .ca is interesting. There's a there's an interesting quote from Leon Draisaitl here talking about his game. And listen, we know what happens when 97 and 29 don't score and don't score in bunches, things get weird fast for Edmonton. This is Leon Dreisaitl. Um, quote, the one-timers are not going in, and that's frustrating. But for mm-hmm. me, it's the rest of my game that bothers me more. I like to score, and I want to put those in every time, of course, but it's the rest of my game. How I This is the part that got me. How I feel when I have the puck, how much I have the puck, that I'd like to change. That's concerning yeah, if I'm an Oilers fan. First of all, I, I, you remind me, I meant to retweet Speck's piece because it was a really good piece. So thank you for really reminding good. me of that. Yeah, it's, it's, really, it's really well done. Um, you know, I, I, th- I think this. I think that, look, like, we, when we sat down with Dreisaitl at the beginning of the year and we asked him, you know, what's your future here? And he goes, I knew you were going to ask me that. And what is what did he say? He <laughs> talked about he talked about the feeling of believing you had a chance to win, and that everybody in the organization yeah. uh, was talking about winning. And now, look where they are. And you know, someone pointed this out to me actually this morning. They said when they fired Woodcroft, I think they were eight points out of the playoffs. They won three in a row, and I have to go back and check. But he said to me, they went three games in a row. You know how many points they were out of the playoffs? There were seven out. And that just shows you when you when you lose early in the season, there is no room for error. You cannot cough up games like the one you mentioned on Saturday afternoon. And so like I like I, I, like everything I read, I can I, you just know how miserable he is. You know how miserable McDavid is. You know how miserable everybody else is. Like it's just 
a total nightmare scenario. And so when I read Drysdale's quotes this morning, I just know that everything uh, that he's saying is coming from this pit of, I cannot believe how bad this is going. And he, and he literally, and everyone else, you can't believe it. Like they never thought this kind of start was feasible for these guys. So I, Everything they say, I think about the prism of that. This is a tough end of the uh, end of the month for the Oilers as well. Uh, Florida tonight, the rest of this week, Carolina, Washington. Don't look now, but Washington's good, folks. Um, yep. Anaheim, Vegas, and Winnipeg next week uh, to conclude the month. This is a tough schedule um, for this team. Meanwhile, a couple of other things here before we uh, before we wrap up. Um, yep. I mentioned that. You know, Thursday is Thanksgiving, and that's normally the the time you look at and say, okay, in or out. And there's a few teams that I wonder about that we thought were going to be in that are right now on the outside of the playoff picture. Like, New Jersey's flirting with it, but I ultimately think New Jersey's going to be fine. And Nico Heischer's at practice today, and they're getting bodies back. I know Timo Meyer's not uh, at practice today, but still... Um, yep. uh, and Thomas Noshek, who got hit by Jacob Truba on Saturday, really punishing body punishing body check. He wasn't in practice either. But nonetheless, they've got Jack Hughes back. I think New Jersey's going to be fine. I wonder about the aforementioned Edmonton Oilers. I wonder mm-hmm. about the Buffalo Sabres. That Tage Thompson injury really hits hard, to say nothing yep. of their goaltending drama. Um, yep. And I wonder about the Minnesota Wild as well. And we just saw Minnesota in Stockholm as well. I know that Bill Guerin is not thrilled and had a good rip on his team, but still. Um, how concerned uh, should everybody be about these teams, uh, specifically if they're a fan? And you know, are there any other teams that you look at as Thanksgiving approaches, which, again, is the cut line. Don't tell St. Louis in 2019 that, though. Generally, yeah. that's the cut line. Are there other teams you're concerned about that are on the outside looking in right now? Well, we already talked about Edmonton. Um, and, um, you know, I would just like to say, I think I would like to recognize the Florida Panthers because I think a lot of us thought they would be in this position and they are in the reverse. Yeah, You know, they were really banged up. They, you know, Bennett got hurt. They started the year without Montour and, uh, and Ekblad, who just came back the other night. And they're right near the top. Like, I just want to shout them out as a reverse of your question. Um, you know, Buffalo, yeah. I heard it's tense there. Like, I, I heard they're disappointed, uh, really disappointed with the way this season started. But you're on a path, right? And you, like, I, I think one of the things that we all forgot about, Jeff, was how hard it is to take the next step. Like, you look at Detroit, you oh. look at Ottawa, you look at Buffalo, um, you know, they, they, they definitely have found it harder than they thought. You know, New Jersey, for me, I just think that New Jersey's really good. I just think they're a little bit sloppy right now. Like, if you even look at some of the, 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 the way they lost that game of the Rangers the other night, you go back and look at some of those goals. There were details on those goals that, you know, good teams don't let happen. So I think they'll figure that out, but they and they're obviously not healthy. I think they've been sloppy. Um, you know, I, I would say this too. I, I I think other teams I'm concerned about, I, like to me, the Islanders have been a strange one this year. Um, you know, like 
teams that are good at five on five and their special teams just destroy them. I always wonder about that. Like how fixable is that? And the Islanders are one of those teams. Like I think if you're a good five on five team, you're probably a really good team. And the Islanders are a good five on five team that is getting terrible results. Uh, let me ask about a team that we'll, we'll finish up on this one. Uh, a team that has exceeded all expectations and expectations for this team are always high. Um, but the Boston Bruins and, uh, normally I don't like telling tales out of school, but I was having a conversation, uh, folks with Elliot this morning and he said, well, it proves that Patrice Bergeron was no good and shouldn't go into the hockey hall of fame (laughs) because they're just fine without Patrice Bergeron. Uh, your thoughts, your thoughts on, uh, on the Boston Bruins and what they're doing and how they're like, I understand. Listen, they have the best goaltending tandem in the NHL. They have, with all due respect, we looked at this season and said, Carolina's got the best blue line. I don't know, man. Boston's blue line is incredible. Um, you know, Brad Marchand's leadership, Dave Pasternak scoring, uh, you know, contributions from some unlikely places and rookies in starring roles. Uh, case in point, Matthew Poitra. But you have a quick thought to conclude here on the team that once again, when we count them out, uh, we embarrass ourselves, the Boston Bruins. You know, the other thing too is I remember at the draft last year, I asked Bon Sweeney, like, who's the guy you hope takes a breakthrough next year and he talked about Zaka like just uh, depending on especially because they knew that he was going to have to take especially if Bergeron wasn't there um, you know they knew that he was going to have to take a bigger uh, a bigger role and, and look at the year he's had he's been he's been really good look I just think they they have a, a, a situation there where on the ice they they've set a standard and I think one of the toughest things is, is that when you have the players who created the standard about how you play and they go and Char and, Ber- and Bergeron, were, like they're both gone now. And, and you wonder, does, the, does yeah. the standard and the expectation stay or does it fall apart? And the answer is it stayed through Marchand and, and McAvoy and Pasternak and everybody else there. They have continued to play to, to do things on ice the way they expect to do them. And, it just shows they've got a really strong group. They stick to what they do. They protect the house. They, they, they followed their plan. I mean, we showed a graphic the other night before the game against Montreal. Swayman's given up one goal this year from outside the slot. Like, you know, you're not going to lose many games if, if, that's, if, if, if your goalie is that consistent. Like, the league average goalie right this year, I think, is 903-904. Like, all marks at like yep. 925 and 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 Swayman's at 940. When you're getting goaltending that good, you're not gonna you're not gonna lose many games. Although no better a goaltending performance this weekend, with all due respect to everybody else, other than Alex Nedeljkovic, uh, Nedeljkovic yep. of the Pittsburgh Penguins, who in the American Hockey League uh, on Friday scored a goal, comma again, and then yeah. shut out the Vegas Golden Knights like it was nothing yesterday. So good on Alex Nedeljkovic and the and the Pittsburgh Penguins, three nothing victory, and he's got a goal to go along with it. Nice weekend uh, for the Penguins goaltender. Uh, on that, we'll wrap. Uh, thanks as always, Elliot. You are released. Enjoy your afternoon walk. Uh, stay safe and don't forget to take your house keys with you when you leave your establishment. Yeah, yeah I, this time I've got them with me, Jeff. Thank you. Going to get Steph to sew them to your underwear or your socks or something, Elliot. That's what's become of you in your old age. Um, Elliot Friedman from 32 Thoughts and Hockey Night in Canada.